Well, will you please join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, your kindness and love has planted us in a beautiful land and community. Thank you for your promise to restore our lives and world. Lord, you call us to act and pray for the good of our neighborhood. Till the soil in our community so that people will receive your love. Use our witness to bring the growth and abundant harvest that you want to see in the hearts of our neighbors. We ask it in the name of Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, did you know that uh, this past week was Random Acts of Kindness Week? I saw it on Facebook, and uh, there was this great uh, picture, um, Believe that there is good in the world and be the good in the world. There's a website, randomactsofkindness.org, and they have all kinds of great ideas on the ways that you can show kindness to your family, your friends, your neighbors, um, the environment, or complete strangers. Late, lately, I've heard uh, stories of a few folks that, you know, were in a drive through you know, going to McDonald's or something, and they pull up to pay for their food, and they find out that the person in front of them already paid for their food. And sometimes they've turned around and said, well, then I want to pay for the person behind me <laughs> just to pass on the blessing. Uh, for the past several summers, uh, some churches down in Ames have sent out teams of people on a couple of days uh, in the summer wearing uh, We Heart Ames shirts to bless the community. They handed out hot dogs uh, and popsicles and cups of coffee and bottles of water. Uh, they had a $1 car wash where they washed cars and then gave each driver a dollar bill. And uh, they volunteered at schools and parks and retirement centers and other places around the community. Not to promote a particular church, but just to show love to the community. Now, some random acts of kindness are anonymous. You know, people do them with no particular connection to the person. Other times, people do random acts of kindness for people that they know. I brought the bag along today because I have something to show uh, that, that I brought from home. Um, back in December, when Sarah had gotten really sick uh, for a few days, um, a Christian neighbor who we basically just know from, you know, she knows through, uh, through the middle school, showed up on our doorstep with this beautiful Christmas tin, this bucket, that was absolutely, it was a care package, and it was absolutely filled with everything under the sun that you could want for when you're having a cold or a flu you know, she had Kleenex and Lysol wipes and, um, oh gosh, there, were, there was, you know, pain relievers, there, were, there was, you know, chicken noodle soup and cough drops and cold and flu medicine and Sprite and tea and crossword books and chapstick and hand lotion, all this stuff in this bin. And she also included this kind note thanking Sarah for all that she does at the middle school uh, and saying that she was you know, praying that Sarah would feel better soon. 
Sarah said this is probably the most thoughtful gift she's ever received from someone. Um, And we know that she did that, not because we already have a real close relationship with this person, but just because she loves Jesus and appreciates Sarah. It was much more than just a random act of kindness. It was encouraging and purposeful and helpful. It reflected the love of Jesus. What if we made purposeful acts of kindness an everyday part of our lives? What if we served not to promote our, commu- our congregation, but just to point people toward Jesus? When we show kindness and love to people, we are joining Jesus on his mission. I invite you to open your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke. In the very beginning of the Gospel of Luke, Jesus is called Emmanuel, God with us. And in Luke 4, which if you're using your pew Bible in front of you, should be on about page 1596, after his baptism by John and his time in the wilderness, Jesus went to his hometown and he announced his mission by reading from Isaiah 61. This is uh, verse 14 and following. Down in verse 18, he unrolled the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, interestingly, he left out the next verse of Isaiah, which says, and to announce the day of vengeance of our God. Jesus came to heal and forgive, to restore and release people, to bring good news of God's love and favor. And he said, to the, he, he rolled up the scroll, sat down to teach, and everybody was listening, and he said, today... This scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All of God's promises are coming true in Jesus. So for the next few chapters, we hear about Jesus living out this mission. He healed, he he proclaimed and demonstrated that the kingdom of God has come near by healing the sick, by casting out demons. He ate with people on the edges of society, like Zacchaeus. He raised people from the dead. And then, in Luke 9, so turn a couple chapters over. There we go, to Luke 9. Jesus sent out his 12 disciples. He gave them power and authority over demons and diseases. And he sent them out to preach the gospel and to heal the sick. Uh, And he told them, don't take anything along for the the journey. Don't take a staff or bag or bread or money or extra tunic. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave the town. He was telling, he he sent them out where he was planning to go. So that's in Luke 10, but in Luke 9. But then in Luke 10, the very next chapter, so turn a, a, a page over there to Luke 10. Jesus does the same, t- the same thing, only this time he sends out 70 others, or some translations say 72, because some of the ancient manuscripts say 72, and some of them say 70. Well, why 70? Why, or why 72? Why so many? Um, maybe it was just, you know, 
at first he'd sent out 12. This time he's sending out six times as many, 72. You know, the 12 being the, the 12 disciples and the 12 tribes of Israel. Or if it was 70, way back in Genesis chapter 10, it talks about, it, it names 70 different nations, that those were the 70 nations of the entire world. So Jesus is sending out these followers into every town where he intended to go. And if it's 70, that means it's representing the 70 nations of the world, all the nations of the world. Jesus is going all these different places, sending us there first. So after his resurrection... Jesus told his disciples that repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in all nations. You and I are part of that mission today. We are preparing the way for Jesus. Jesus said, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. And what's the very next word that he says in verse 3? Go. (laughs) Pray to the Lord to send workers and go. If you're going to pray for God to send workers into the harvest field, then be prepared to go yourself. God has already been at work in our communities, tilling the soil, sowing seed, bringing growth. He says, the harvest is ready. Pray for God to send workers and then obey his call to be one of them. So Jesus, again, tells these 70 or 72 that he's sending out, don't take a purse or bag or sandals. Don't greet anyone on the road. Be, you know, travel light. Stay focused on your mission. And then he says in verse 5, When you enter a house, first say peace to this house. Shalom. And if a man of peace is there, if a person of peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. A person of peace is someone who is receptive to the good news and to you. A few years ago, we hosted the LCMC Iowa District Annual Gathering here at Emmanuel, and our speaker was Joe Saxton, a Christian author and leadership coach up in Minneapolis. And she talked about this passage and what a person of, who a person of peace is. She said, a person of peace is someone who welcomes you, who receives you, who receives who you are, who is open to you and what you have to say about Jesus, open to the life that you live because of Jesus. But they're also someone who seeks to serve you. So often when we're seeking to reach out, we want to do things for other people. But a person of peace often wants to do something for you. So she encouraged us to think about and look for the people of peace in our lives. When you find someone who likes you, who wants to be around you, go to their turf where they're comfortable. Let them show you hospitality and help you. Spend intentional time with them. Be ready to speak the words that the Spirit gives you 
and to do the things that God calls you to do. Because when you work together for the greater good, the kingdom of God is near. We're called to share peace, shalom, with the people in our community. Shalom is way bigger than than just the idea of, of peace being an end to violence. It's a restoration of wholeness, of life, of thriving. We are to declare what God is doing and bring that kind of peace, that thriving, to the people who receive us. People of peace are people in whose hearts the harvest is ready. Jesus had this meal with Zacchaeus, um, and that spoke volumes to the other people in the community. Because in the Middle East, if you eat a meal with someone, you are saying to them, I accept you as family. You are one of us. And so Jesus restored Zacchaeus to his community. He brought him together with others and changed his life. And in turn, that grace, that love that Jesus showed Zacchaeus spilled into how he lived his life. It made him generous, forgiving. You know, and Jesus said, today salvation has come to this house. God is in this place. So back to to Luke 10, when Jesus was telling these people to go out into all these places where he was going to go. He said, do not move from house to house, uh, but stay in that house, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Uh, Where God sends you, he provides for you. He's calling us to stay where we're planted, to be content, to be rooted as long as we are there. And then also to be dependent on and vulnerable to the people who receive you. Jesus told, the other instructions Jesus gave them was to heal the sick who were there and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. God's reign is right among you. When we go out with the good news, we're called to create community, We are to care for people's physical needs and proclaim the good news of God's kingdom reign. We're to continue to do what Jesus was called to do. Model the Christian life. Be yourself. Have conversations about faith. And let the light of Christ shine. Live like Jesus did and let his love spill over to others. In his letter, um, 1 Peter, um, Peter said, always be prepared to share the reason for the hope that you have. Always be ready to point people to Jesus and his love. I get a weekly uh, devotion uh, through the email from a guy named Paul Tripp. um, It's called Wednesday's Word, a weekly devotional from, from him. And on Valentine's Day, he sent out a devotional that talked about uh, genuine Christ-centered love. And he said that 
Real love looks like this. Willing self-sacrifice for the good of another that does not require reciprocation or that the person being loved is deserving. It's pouring yourself out for somebody else without expecting to get something back and doing it not because you think the person is a great person, but just because it's an overflow of the love that Christ has poured into your heart. Last week, uh, Paul Tripp gave 23 practical applications of Christ-centered love, and they're wonderful. I invite you to to find that online and look through them all. I want to share just a a couple of them with you. Uh, First of all, he says, Christ-centered love means being a good student of another, looking for their physical, emotional, and spiritual needs so that in some way you can remove the burden support them as they carry it, or encourage them along the way. Number 22, he says, love is refusing to be self-focused or demanding, but instead looking for specific ways to serve, support, and encourage even when you're busy and tired. And lastly, 23, he said, love is daily admitting to yourself, to the other person, And to God that you are unable to be driven by a cross-shaped love without God's protecting, providing, forgiving, rescuing, and delivering grace. The only way that we can share God's love in concrete ways with other people is by Christ first pouring into us. Love is Jesus. How could you share his love with someone else today? Jesus calls every Christian to go and make disciples, to make more followers of Jesus. And that means talking with people about Jesus, with you know, people who don't yet know him or follow him. What would it take for us to take Jesus seriously? What would it take for us to live out our name, Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus is sending you into the life that you already have, to the people right around you. He's calling you to take your role as a disciple into your workplace, your neighborhood, or your school. He wants you to join in on what he's already doing out in the community. And that means rubbing elbows with people, getting your hands dirty together, spreading the love and kindness of Jesus. Think for a moment. Who are the people around you who don't know Jesus, who aren't yet on a journey of living faith? Pray for them this week. Reach out to them with kindness and love. Now, not everyone will receive you. When you share the message of God's kingdom, you'll sometimes face resistance or even rejection, just as the disciples did. Jesus told them, if you are not welcomed, then wipe the dust of their town off of your feet. Uh, Essentially saying, if you won't listen, we're going to move on and persevere. But even when you are rejected, Jesus said, still say, The kingdom of God has come near. God's kingdom is near. That's both a warning and a promise. 
the rejection that the disciples faced and the persecution that they endured actually ended up spreading the gospel farther because wherever Christians were scattered to, wherever they made their home, their witness began to change their communities and the world. It's a great quote by Desmond Tutu. Do your little bit of good where you are. It's those little bits of good put together that overwhelm the world. Jesus said, whoever believes in me will do the same things that I am doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. So may your little bits of good point people to Christ. May your prayers open your eyes to the mission Jesus has for you right next door. And may your purposeful acts of kindness be part of the greater things God has planned for our city and our world. Amen.